Welcome to my house. Welcome to the Structure Talk podcast, a production of Structure Tech Home Inspections. My name is Ruben Saltzman. I'm your host, alongside building science geek, Tessa Murray. We help home inspectors up their game through education, and we help homeowners to be better stewards of their houses. We've been keeping it real on this podcast since 2019, and we are also the number one home inspection podcast in the world, according to my mom. Welcome back to another episode of the Structure Talk podcast. I'm Ruben Saltzman along with Tessa Murray. We just got off a long series of interviewing home inspectors from all over the country, figuring out how they do home inspections. That's that's what we just finished with. And today we're jumping right into another guest. Man, we've got some guests stacked up. Today we've got a guest who has been a long time coming. I've been promising Kyle for the last six years that we're going to get him on the podcast, even though we've only been doing this for five years. <laughs> I keep telling him we got we to gotta do a show together. We've got Kyle Miller from all around. I've known Kyle for a long time before we started doing the podcast. And I do the radio show with Kyle. We, we all around has a weekly radio show that we do together. And Kyle ends up hosting, what do you think, Kyle? Probably about half the time. Um, not quite that much. I would say 25% now. You know, we, we changed our format a little while ago, so I'll do three, four weeks in a row, and then I won't be on the show for a few more weeks after that. But it's okay. been great. We love having you on, and I'm looking forward to being part of the Structure Talk podcast. I'm glad you're finally here. It just We just had to get our schedules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you brought it up to me when it was just an idea, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And then And then I just kept being a bug in your ear about it. Yeah, that's that's all it takes. You just got to bug me, man. We, we get there eventually. But Kyle, let, let's start out. And bribes work really well with Ruben. Bribes do work. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Never got a bribe, but we still got him on the air. Um, but let, let's talk about who you are and who All Around is. We have had Charles on the show. Charles talked about uh, Storm chasers. That was a great episode. And I, I think we talked about insurance scams and a bunch of stuff like that, but uh, that, that was probably a year or two ago. So refresh our memory. Yeah. Who is all around, Kyle? Well, thank you for the opportunity to tell your listeners about us. We are a local exterior general contractor. We've been in close, I'd say strategic partnership. We don't do any official business between structure tech and all around are very limited, but we send a lot of referrals their way. They send even more referrals our way for customers in the Twin Cities that need roofing, siding, windows, or decks built on their homes. We don't do any new construction or custom builds. We're strictly remodel. So my focus is on the HOA, multifamily, and commercial aspect of the business. It has been for a few years now. Kyle, I've had a question for you. Um, how many employees are there at um, All Around? And do you guys uh, like subcontract out work um, when you're doing roofs and decks, or are, are they all in-house employees? Um, I, I do everything. So sales, installation, <laughs> I entertain customers. I'm kidding. So we have we have 30 or 31 now full-time employees. So those are those are W2 employees, which is kind of a rare model when it comes to exterior companies. Yeah. Most of not necessarily our competition because we don't consider all the XYZ roofing 
contractors in town, our competition really, but more of the big name companies, a lot of them, they have 1099 salespeople. They don't have a strong company culture. They are saving a lot of money on costs. Even their production staff is, some of them are 1099. Well, here we have, we have 13 dedicated project consultants. I'm dedicated to just uh, commercial and multifamily work. We have a sales manager that oversees our residential team, eight production employees. We have a marketing department, admin department, and we have Nick and Charles who are the great, uh, the partners, the owners of the business that are very involved as well. And it's it's a big, well-oiled machine. It doesn't make us perfect, but in general, we can deliver a high volume of, of projects to a lot of customers. And um, the most of the work is subcontracted. That's the nature of how our industry works. If you see a company that has in-house installation crews, they would be a, somebody that's providing union labor to you know government projects or whatever demands union union labor. It, it's just too expensive to be able to employ and um, insure and everything that comes along with that. All of those installation crews. So we are much more robust than, than most other companies with a similar business model. But at the same time, we have to subcontract most of the work with full siding, full roofing projects. So Kyle, we're, we're having you on the show today. We Really the big focus today is we're going to talk about buying homes that are in a homeowner association and things to look out for because you've had a lot of unique experience in that department. So that's 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 really going to be kind of the title of our show is is focusing on that area. Um, and I wanted to hear what what kind of advice do you have for somebody if you're buying a townhome or maybe even a condo or a standalone townhome, even something where you've got a homeowners association that's going to take care of a bunch of the common stuff. What what advice do you have for people buying these types of properties, Kyle? It would be really nice to have a realtor on this show to be able to fill fill in the gaps, right? So what I know is from my side of the business, and that's construction, that's executing, well, inspections and then contracts with boards of directors at HOAs and property managers, property management companies, and that circular relationship. And there's this other piece that we're talking about buyers and what to watch out for, where we could really benefit from having a real estate agent chime in because the, the what I don't know is what is a new buyer entitled to know when they're doing their due diligence and discovery before buying a townhome. And there's information they should know in regards to not only the conditions of the property, which you guys will help them understand what needs what sort of work needs to get done now and in the near future or even the um, the foreseeable future right maybe there's something that that's gonna inevitably come up in 10 years I don't uh, I don't know if that's something that you guys cover in your inspection reports or if it's just kind of in the here and now or the near future but the homeowner should have a really good understanding or future homeowner homeowner to be should have a good understanding of what's covered by the HOA in terms of expenses and maintenance to the exterior of the building and and what's not what is their ho6 insurance going to be required to cover in terms of insurance and and then the personal liability that comes along with that so you have this personal liability and insurance liability and sometimes they go hand in hand and sometimes 
They're completely separate. And what I find a little bit perplexing is in a lot of cases, in most cases, actually, you have the HOA that is doing, that is covering expenses to siding and roofing, right? But then you have the homeowner is on the hook for any expenses relating to a deck, a balcony, windows, things that are very clearly a part of the exterior building, building envelope, building assembly, or structural components that are homeowner liability, but they're on the exterior of the building. So you really should have a good understanding of what you are on the hook for versus what is an HOA expense, I would say, first of all. And I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Ruben, before we continue. Well, you know, a lot of the time we'll be doing townhome inspections and we'll have people say, well, you don't, you don't need to inspect the exterior. You don't need to look at the roof, the siding, the windows, any of that stuff on the outside. Cause that's all covered by the association. Yeah, You laugh that, laugh that away, right? All the way to the bank. Right now. Now what is the problem with this, Kyle? And talk about it from a contractor standpoint. Why is this foolish to skip that part of the home inspection? It's not much different than buying a single family home. The roof over that home, that town home, the siding enclosing that building protects it. It's directly related to the value and therefore should be covered by the home inspection. And whether it's a, an insurance claim that results in new siding or roofing or down the road, the association has to sometimes, a lot of times nowadays, do a special assessment. You're going to get this huge bill or have to vote on a special mm-hmm. assessment to replace the siding or roofing materials. And it's going to be a big, big dollar amount. Um, there's very few HOAs that are fully I'm trying to think of a, a good way to put this that are so fiscally responsible and have done such a great job at raising dues, collecting dues, budgeting, getting their reserve studies done just on the ball with that stuff that they can afford 100% of the costs that come along with replacing an old roof or old siding at at an entire HOA. And in the 90% or more of associations where they don't have adequate funds, you either wait, you know, count on a hailstorm, which isn't a great idea, or you're assessed for those additional costs. And, and, now the community in most cases they they vote on it right if they're going to assess a a high percentage cost back to the owners it's more than just a board decision but a lot of times it gets to a point where the the community is like has to be in shambles before anything is is done about it and inevitably um, you're going to have to pay just like you would in in a single family home there's going to be extra expenses it's just it's just how and when versus, uh, you know, it's just no different. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I used to be a member of a townhome association and I remember we ended up getting hit. We, we had an assessment. I can't remember how much it was. They went and they, they replaced all these rotting bottom panels on the overhead garage doors. And then another year they had to replace all the fences, had an assessment for that. And then they had to replace the parking lot. I mean, I remember that was like a, a $1,200 assessment. And I mean, that was, I mean, at the time that was like one of my mortgage payments was 1200 bucks. And it was, it was a lot. It's like, I I had no idea this was coming. And so long ago was that Ruben? How many years? Oh, probably 20 years ago. Probably more than 20 years ago. 1200 bucks. That's probably like 12,000 now, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But but these these things happen and you you don't know about it when I just want to make sure people understand when if you if you've not bought a home before, if you haven't bought a townhome or been been involved in this, an assessment means you got a bill and you got to pay it. That's what it comes down to and there's no arguing with it. It's just this is your responsibility and you, there's nothing you can say about it and uh, unless you're attending board meetings. Kyle, what percentage of condos or townhomes, these associations that you work with, uh, would you say, you know, there's a pretty significant chunk of change that's passed to the homeowner because they don't have enough money in their reserves? I can't really say much as a, as a percentage just because I don't have the the data to give you guys and your listeners accurate information. But speaking on my, my personal experience, because that's what I know. I, I would say 90% and, wow. yeah. and that's HOA condos are, are a little bit different, but Minnesota has a huge multifamily, uh, stake, right? We have look everywhere. You see not only existing townhomes, but new ones being built. It's, it's, it's a huge market here. And <clears throat> I think I've had two or three projects in the nine years I've been in this business where the HOA was able to fully fund out of reserves, a full roofing or full siding project. And there's plenty more out there that have, that have the money there. Maybe they have a financial planner and they've invested that money and it's helped grow to fight those inflationary factors that have come into place, especially over the past three years. But another thing that, that, a potential buyer can do is observe, right? Look, not only are, are they going to have structure tech or good home inspector help them understand what's going to need maintenance on the outside of the building in the future, but just use your eyes. Like how well preserved is that community? Because really that speaks volumes. It's like going into any of the house of a friend or family or customer. You can tell the ones that have been good, responsible homeowners, just like you can tell HOAs that have been good, responsible HOAs for the most part. There's a caveat to that. Maybe they're in a lot of debt, right? In that case, there's disclosures um, or, or extra costs that might be passed on to new buyers that they're going to be made aware of before that sale. Um, but just using your eyes and looking around, you can you can make a good determination how well that community is being maintained and kept up. And that's to the benefit of the homeowners there. So how often do you, uh, do you guys come across water intrusion issues though, when you're taking the siding off of, you know, an old townhome or an old, um, condo building, multifamily building, and you realize, oh, water's been getting in around this window for the last 30 years and we've got a problem. Is, is that, does that happen pretty frequently or not? Almost, not almost so every project. Oh, okay. God. Almost every single project that, well, so let's let's be clear, right? If we are replacing, let's just say siding, what else? What's the reason that we are replacing that siding? Most of the time, it's because it's it's old, right? It's time to do it. They're sick of maintaining this old cedar. Maybe it's super duper old vinyl, whatever it was. And there's there's a couple of reasons for that. They let it go for too long. It wasn't properly maintained, and the building codes, the building standards, the construction methods that were used that long ago, let's say 20 to 40, even older than that, weren't the same as they are today. And and then you add in the factor of like, this was just done poorly, or we didn't know what we know now, 
to be able to stop the water, allow the walls to breathe, whatever that scenario is, that uh, it's almost inevitable we're going to run into something. And it's usually around windows. It's usually in regards to flashing, caulking, um, the redundant systems that you're supposed to use when you're closing in the exterior envelope of a building were, were not done properly in order to keep the water out. And that's something I know that you guys look for exhaustively during your inspections. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. I was just teaching a class on that last night uh, on that mm. exact topic, just what home inspectors can do to help find that hidden damage in walls. Yeah. Well, Kyle, we're, we're, we're winding down on time, but I had a few questions I want to sneak in for a quick little lightning round since this <laughs> is your bread and butter. Number one, can you install a roof this time of year? We're talking mid to late November. You're in Minnesota. Should if, if you know you need a new roof, should you do it now or should you wait until the spring when it gets warmer? You can absolutely put on a new roof, a great roof in this weather. However, there are caveats. We don't do steep roofs this time of year. You know, um, it's got to be something that that's more cut and dry. We prefer a couple of shingle brands like Owens Corning, Malarkey. They seal down much better, much faster. GAF, still a good shingle. We don't like using on this late in the year because they just don't seal down fast enough. You know, we look at this north slope. Is it going to get any any sun whatsoever? Is it going to seal down before the you know before the snow flies? And try to take that into account. But yeah, we can still roof this time of year. And it's like people always ask, "Oh, when can we start roofing in the spring?" And I say, "When is spring coming?" Yeah, whenever it gets June. warm. <laughs> hey, now that's that's wrong. Get out of here, Tess. So is there a cutoff for like what temperature is too cold to safely put shingles on? I don't know. Well, not safely, safely, but for manufacturers, yeah, you know, for the shingles well, to seal. Manu some manufacturers, they don't actually specify a temperature. They'll give you a recommendation or a guideline. We don't like to go below 40, mid 40s, although the, the, <clears throat> the rubberized asphalt shingles that were the SBS shingles, they sealed down like a son of a gun in 40, 45 degree weather. It's crazy how well they, they seal down. Those are more expensive shingles, but they're still um, they're still a product that a, you know your average buyer can get into and they seal down great this time of year. Okay. okay. 40, 45 degrees. Yeah. You know, if it was me, okay. I would just, ideally I would want my roof done in like April or May. You're still great. Uh, cooler weather where the shingles aren't marring, you get that asphalt super hot and flexible and the, the, the granules can, can get kind of yeah. marred off the shingle Damaged. easier when you're mm -hmm. roofing in July or August. I want my roof to be done in the spring uh, when it's not too warm, that your shingles are marring, but then you got all spring and summer for them to seal down and, and discover any issues or leaks or whatever when it rains. It's kind of the best of, of everything if I was the, the buyer. Nice. Okay. Would you agree with that? I, I would. I, I mean, I like it. I, I definitely see problems when it, when you have shingles installed in colder weather when they don't seal down, but it's it's all dependent upon the weather. I mean, it's what's coming and how much sun ends up hitting it. Just like you said, I I personally I'm has I would be hesitant to do it when it's this cold. But if I need it done, I'd get it done. If yeah, I yeah. If forty I mile an hour gusts too. Yeah, yeah. If I had the choice to wait, I would prefer to wait until I know there's going to be warmer weather coming. I'd feel much more comfortable installing a roof with that. What's Tessa's professional take on that? I'd say I agree with you what you're saying, but there's always caveats to why you might need that roof right now. So, you know, 
depending on the cir- circumstance, uh, you just got to make a judgment call. It's best for you in your unique situation. See, builders do it all the time, right? New construction homes and apartment buildings. It's like middle of winter. They're there shingling. And gosh, I just cringe when I see that. Yeah. And we find the evidence of what happens when they do it. That's the problem. <laughs> we find shingles blown off. We find shingles coming off in sheets. You, you find more sloppy workmanship. Nobody does their best work when it's really cold outside. Sorry. It's just a fact. Uh, and then, all right, Kyle, you can put any type of siding on your house. What type of siding would you use? In my neighborhood, even if I had a champagne budget, I probably wouldn't wrap my whole house in, in a premium cladding like smart side, just because it's over improving. When we go to sell, we're not going to get that investment back. And, and there's great options with vinyl nowadays, du- very durable, very beautiful. Um, if I was going to, let's just say, build my dream home, I would be on the fence between smart side and steel. Steel has the best finish in the industry in terms of keeping its color and not having to really do anything for maintenance except for some caulking around your openings. Um, but you know, big enough hailstorm rolls through, or the kid throws a baseball and it gets dented. LP Smart Side with a diamond coat, thirty-year pre-finish would probably be my go-to, my number one if I had to choose, just because it it's, it covers every the full spectrum of durability of beauty. Sure, you'll have to put a coat of paint on it after 20, 30 years, but you know you budget for that, and um, that's probably what I would go with. Okay, all right, and then I'll be the, smart side diamond coat pre-finish. Sure. Okay, the and brand. then the last one. What about windows? What would you put on for windows, Kyle? So in my house, it was built in '99, and I got some some older windows are. Gosh, I'm, I'm spacing out the brand, but they're like a builder brand, but they're wood windows. So they've lasted a while. But when we started replacing windows, I put uh, Eagle from Anderson, which is your wood and aluminum clad windows, casements, and their, their gliding patio doors. And they're amazing. Uh, just such a high quality product. Anderson 400s have been their bread and butter for like 30 years. Can't go wrong with Anderson 400s. Vinyl wrap sash, you don't get the, you know, the staining and the water damage on them. The hardware, the crankouts on the casements, we see still functioning fine after 25, 30 years in, in, in many cases. And then like the Marvin Ultimate is pretty much the apples to apples to the Anderson Eagle. We also have put some Marvin Ultimates in our house and you really can't tell the difference between those and, and the Andersons. So I would probably go with one of those two, partially because it's familiarity. And with Anderson, there's a little bias there, but overall, when it comes to uh, performance, longevity, customer warranty support, that sort of thing, those two brands do a great job at all of those. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Kyle. It's it's about time we got together and did this. If if people want to reach out to you, reach out to All Around, how can they get in contact with you, Kyle? Well, if you're on the side of community management, you live in an HOA, I would love to work with you directly and Easiest is always is always email Kyle at allaround.com. Again, that's Kyle at allaround.com. Info at allaround.com is our generic one. And you can always go to our website, Google all around. You're gonna you're gonna find us. And even if you just have a question or want a ballpark on something you're planning on, we're the type of company that just wants to help help people. So sure, we would love to earn additional business, but we're here to help. Just in general, if people have questions, concerns, need opinions and ideas, we can be that team as well, just like Structure Tech. Cool. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kyle. Really appreciate you making time to come on the show. 
And uh, for any listeners, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts for new show ideas, whatever, please email us. Our email is podcast at structuretech.com. And I am Ruben Saltzman for Tessa Murray, signing off. Thanks for Thank being you here, both. guys. This is fun. Thanks.